Hello, whether you are on Facebook or YouTube or Zoom at whatever time of day, thank you for connecting. We're going to spend the next few minutes leaning into God's Word together and I hope this will be helpful for you. I hope you will discover something fresh about faith in the waiting as we lean into a story um, that is one of my favourites, if I'm honest. But before that, as you know, if um, you ever search anything on Google, what you put in the search box kind of has sticky fingers and Google will know that you're there and will be able to collect data on you. And over these last few months, there's been a really interesting search happening on Google. So between April 19th and 25th of 2020, the word prayer peaked at its highest search frequency on record since 2004. Not only in the UK, but globally, everyone was searching for prayer. Now, I don't think for one minute, Google knows all the motivations of all of us when we're searching for various different things. I don't think Google has that skill. So I'm gonna make a guess, just a simple guess, as to some of the motivations behind searching out prayer. I don't think the majority of people were wanting some magic words, some amazing phrases necessarily. I think what people wanted to do was discover the one who might be able to answer their prayers, the one who might be able to answer our heart cry, the words that we can't articulate, the things that are going on inside us that we're yearning to see breakthrough in. That is what we are seeking, the one who can solve that, that heart cry that no one else can fix. Because if we wanted to be able to just fix it ourselves, surely the search would be for things like, how do I cross my fingers really successfully? Or what is it to knock on wood? How do I talk to myself to get a better answer? It's not, there's a desire in us to be able to connect with the one who is bigger than us, who is bigger than our challenges, who will be able to answer us. Now, the story we're gonna look up is a story of a lady called Hannah. Her story appears in Samuel. She's the mother of Samuel, and the very first chapter, we see the kind of backstory before Samuel is even conceived. So Hannah was married to a man called Elkanah, and there was also another wife, inconvenient, I understand, um, called Penina. Now, Hannah and Penina really do not get on at all. And their whole relationship is a fascinating one. I've actually written about it in the comparison trap, so we're not going to digress with that now. But the relationship that is the most interesting is between Hannah and the Lord. So what was going on for them is that Penina, second wife, could have as many children, it seemed, as she wanted. She was able to um, conceive and produce babies without so much of a, well, maybe a blink. Um, but anyway, it was quite easy for her. But for Hannah, no, she was unable to conceive. And so she was desperately sad. Elkanah said this great line, which is Captain Samuel, like, aren't I enough for you? Which is just really a lovely thought that the husband would be enough for everyone. But we all know that no human is ever enough. There's this longing for something more. And and Hannah had a heart cry that she wanted not only a child, but she wanted this breakthrough in her relationship with God. And the reason I say it's that, rather than just wanting a child, is because as her story unfolds, this child is not someone she keeps. This child is someone she dedicates to the Lord. It's about her relationship with the Lord. Anyway, in the story, we hear that every year, this precious family traipsed off from Ramah where they lived to Shiloh where the tabernacle was and there they made sacrifices and they worshipped and they kind of really entered in intentionally into the presence of the Lord together and every year Hannah struggled 
She struggled to participate in the worship. She struggled to participate in the sacrifice and then the feasting that follows. Even when she was given double portions and special you know, meat and all the juiciest, most loveliest bits, she struggled and couldn't eat. Why? Because there was this heart cry in her, this longing for something that she was waiting for that was just on hold. The writer to Proverbs said that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And I think if Hannah had read that, she would know what that meant. She would have known that she was becoming sick because her hope was so deferred. Every year was a reminder to her that her prayers have not been answered. I wonder about all those people in the Google search who have been searching out prayer back in April when it really peaked so high. I wonder what's happening to those prayers if they've not been answered. What happens when we are waiting for something and we just don't see it? What happens when prayer makes no difference at all to our circumstances? Well, we're going to pick up the story with Hannah and we're going to glean some wisdoms. It's not a formula, it's more of a kind of a pattern that can show us a little pathway that maybe, maybe we could just follow a something similar. So in 1 Samuel, if you have a look at this, grab your Bible wherever you are. We're going to jump in at... 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 9. So they're at Shiloh for the sacrifice and the tabernacle and all the worship stuff. Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was deep in anguish crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Sounds like lockdown, right? It's just a Nazarite rule, but it does sound like lockdown. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case... Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again and she was no longer sad. Now we're gonna pause the story there. We're gonna pause as she's getting up again, no longer sad, but her prayers have not been answered. She's not pregnant, nothing has changed, yet somehow everything has changed. So we're just going to trail our way just gently through this, this story and just see how can she get to this point where nothing has changed in her circumstances. She's not pregnant. Her prayers have not been answered. There's not some immaculate conception thing going on here. That's a different story for another day. She has not experienced any change, yet at the same time, she is able to get up, go and eat. And the very next verse is saying how she's joining the family the next day in corporate worship. Before this, the heartache in her heart and the trouble in her home had prevented her from entering into corporate worship, had prevented her from kind of pressing into the Lord. Yet now, something has changed. And what is it? Well, at the beginning of the story, 
When she was in Shiloh one year, she determined to get up and go and pray. You see, here I think is one of our keys. To find faith in waiting, we have to get up. Now, hear me when I explain what I mean by get up. She was not denying her problems. She was not pretending everything is fine. She's not a fake it till you make it type person. She's going authentically to pray, taking all of her problems with her and pouring them all out to the Lord. Such was the sense of attack that she was feeling. She's asking for the, you know, heaven's army. You know, she's asking for the cavalry. Lord, send the cavalry and rescue me. But anyway, she got up. She didn't defer her devotion. She didn't delegate her devotion. She didn't say to her husband, I'm not well enough, will you pray for me? She didn't phone a friend and say, you know, my situation is a nightmare. I'm just going to go back and have a duvet day. You go ahead and pray. Um, Send me a postcard. None of that. She owned her relationship with the Lord to such an extent that even in the place of pain, she picked up her pain and walked to the tabernacle. She did not defer her devotion. And I want to encourage you to consider where you are today to get up, to get up to go and pursue the Lord, to get up and carry everything that you are, everything that you have, to not just let other people push into the Lord, to not let other people just be the ones who do that, but to say, okay, I want to experience the Lord. And like Hannah, you might be even saying, I need to experience the Lord. So she got up and prayed. And she was there pouring her heart out. Now Eli, he's an interesting chap, um, but he's the priest. So for want of a better description, we can understand that he was representing the Lord. We now, with New Testament privilege, we get to look back over the course of history through the eyes of Jesus, because he is the priest of all priests. He is our high priest. But for Hannah, she was connecting to Eli representing God. Although, in his humanness, he completely misunderstood the situation, which in fairness for Eli's story, that and his sons, that was a little bit of a hallmark. We can come to that another time. But Eli misunderstood what was going on, and he looked at this woman ranting in her prayer life, pouring out sort of gibberish and incoherency. Is that even a word? I think I've gone into gibberish. Incoherency, maybe. Just pouring it out, and he thought, she's, she's drunk. Now, when Paul wrote to the Romans, he used this interesting phrase when he was describing how when prayer life enters into a partnership with the Holy Spirit, that sometimes we go to a place kind of beyond the limits of our language and there are groans as we pray. And I think what Hannah was doing was discovering kind of the verge of her vocabulary. She'd run out of enough words to be able to express what she really was experiencing. And she entered into a prayer time with the Father that was literally heart to heart. She was pouring out something that wasn't collected and thought through and languaged and neat. It was just sincere and authentic. Authentic meaning not a copy. She wasn't copying anyone else's language. She wasn't copying anyone else's prayer style. She was just literally allowing her heart to pour out. Lamentations talks about the heart being poured out like water. She was just crying out from within. Now, remember when the um, disciples in the New Testament story and the Holy Spirit came, the disciples were misunderstood for being drunk. You see, when the Holy Spirit moves, there comes a point where we hit the verge of our vocabulary and something connects in our spirit, spirit to spirit to the Lord. This is a key moment that Hannah shows us something. It is in these moments, 
in the pouring out, that she is preparing herself for her faith to be ignited. She's not mustering anything up, she's not striving it into being, but she is preparing herself for her faith to be ignited. So she doesn't explain, when Eli challenges her, she doesn't say what she's praying about, she just explains her heartache. And in that moment, Eli sensed the Spirit of the Lord. And he spoke what was the voice of the Father to Hannah and said, okay, well, in that case, if this is all sincerity and authenticity, then may God bless you and answer your prayer. And here's the moment. You see, Hannah had to stand up to go to pray. Now, I'm going to say for the illustration's sake, she knelt down to pray. We don't know that. We're reading that into the script. It's not there for us to know. But I'm going to suggest she humbled herself. Remember when we looked at what it is to yield, to say, not my will, but yours to be done, to humble oneself, to lower oneself and say, okay, Lord, it's, it's, it's you or nothing now. I can't do anything to help myself. It's you or nothing. Well, I believe that once she'd stood up to carry her pain to the place of worship and prayer, she then knelt down in humility to bow before the Lord and submit herself to him. Then in these moments, when Eli says, okay, may God favor you, she then got up again. Now this is the thing, our pain might propel us to our knees, but faith will bring us back to our feet. When we can stand on the word of God, we stand on solid ground. Everything else can be chaos, everything else can be shaken around us, but we stand on solid ground when we stand on the word of God. And Eli, representing the Lord, was able to bring a word to her that was a promise of the Lord. Now we have the beautiful book that is the Bible. We have all of the promises of the Lord that are all fulfilled in Jesus, where his yes is an emphatic, robust, amazing yes. But we have this reality for our faith in waiting to pick it up and stand with it or not. Hannah heard the words, may God favor you, and she, I think, simply took it by faith and walked with it. She allowed faith to be ignited even in her waiting. She did not know when she would conceive. She did not know how quick it was. And as the, the story unfolds, it wasn't immediate that she conceived, but the word says that in due time, Samuel was born, as if the Lord was always working his timing out. But Hannah had to submit in to align with the time plan of the Heavenly Father. There is a point, my friend, when we have a choice. Do we want to allow faith to be ignited in the waiting? Do we want to take hold of the promises of God and say, I'm going to stand on that? I remember being healed of secondary terminal cancer and I had to take hold by faith of the promises that the Lord spoke very clearly to me before the doctors showed any evidence. When I went into secondary infertility, my husband and I, we had to take hold by faith of promises the Lord spoke to us long before we ever had another child. There are points in our journey where we have to take by faith. So we can hold our pain and pour it out. We can kneel in submission, but we have to then stand on the rock and the promises of God. So I want you to just consider where you are at right now. Like I'm wondering where all the people who were searching for prayer and the one who might answer them 
Our prayers don't always immediately get answered in the way that we understand or want. But it is possible when the circumstances don't change to still take hold of by faith and allow our faith to be ignited in the waiting where everything changes. Hannah was able to experience peace and joy. She had gone from being so sad and unable to eat, burdened by her pain and barrenness, to peace and joy that she was known, that she was seen, that she was heard, and she allowed her faith to be ignited in the waiting. So what are you waiting for? I want to encourage you to come authentically to Jesus, like Hannah did. To allow your vocabulary to run out, to hit the verge of your vocabulary and allow the Holy Spirit to move through you to such a degree that you are no longer controlling the narrative. To such an extent that the Holy Spirit will flow through you and you can feel a connection with the Father and allow Jesus, our High Priest, to speak to you. And there are so many promises he can lift from scripture and speak in truth that will be pertinent to you. Why? Because the word is living, it's dynamic. And as um, Timothy writes, it is there to help us know the path. It is there to teach us and correct us and guide us. So I know Jesus can speak right into your situation. So the person that you're praying for, that you're anxious about, that health situation that you personally are battling with and don't think you will ever get through, that grief you are carrying that is so heavy a burden to bear. Get up and kneel down and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and connect with you, even if you're just groaning to begin with. Even if it makes no sense, pour out authentically where you are. For that concern about your finances, as your job is so uncertain. For that family situation that just doesn't seem to ever calm down. Jesus wants to speak into that situation and draw you into an intimacy and ignite your faith in the waiting that he is with you. He can work this out. He can be glorified in it and through this season that you're in. And like Hannah, it is possible to stand again and walk in peace and walk in joy, even when your prayers are not immediately answered. When nothing seems to change, everything can change. So for all of you in Central Watford, connecting um, with our YouTube and Facebook, it is now time, let's just pray together. Whatever barrenness you might be feeling or witnessing, bring it with you. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, help us to pray. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We bow the knee before you and say, Lord, would you let your will be known and would you let your will be done? Lord, I pray for everybody who's connecting with this, that whatever barrenness they might be feeling in their lives, whether it's, it's physical and medical, whether it's um, employment or relational or 
um, in any aspect of life that there's a sense that there is not life to the full, Lord, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would move and you would meet us where we are and you will bring fruitfulness, that you would ignite our faith in the waiting, that while we're waiting, even if our situations don't change immediately, Lord, you will ignite our faith and we will experience peace and joy as we walk with you in the name of Jesus. Amen.